and uh, we all would know that last week's One Verse Wonder, apart from Rod Ritchie's amazing one that he preached to do with being blooming where you're planted, um, but was on Galatians 6-7, which is, do not be weary of doing good, or do not be weary of well-doing, some versions say. It'll probably come up on the screen in a second. If not, don't worry, because we all know it by now. For in due season... Or in God's proper timing, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. So say it with me. Do not be weary of well-doing. Because at the proper time, you will reap a harvest. That's the bit before. And um, if you do not give up, that's it. Okay, that was the bit before, which is very pertinent as well, sowing and reaping, that sets up the scene. And, you know, um, this morning we're actually going to really focus on weariness, how we don't grow weary. And, you know, many of you will know that uh, during the week I was away at a retreat, um, ACC retreat at Collaroy, which is a Salvation Army property, beautiful place, a um, bit, bit chilly for my liking, being in Narrabri, five years now, a bit chilly for me at night. But, you know, just down the hill is the beach. And it's the second year that Australian Christian churches have ran this retreat, which I'm committed to supporting. And senior pastors are not off the hook. They are meant to bring two to five, actually another church, Imagination's Church brought 12. Um, they were overachievers, but you always get them in every group. And um, they actually brought 12. And it, the idea is, is that you bring your 18 to 30-year-olds, key leaders, and they don't have to be youth pastors. They don't have to be, you know, young people with a, um, a preaching ministry. They might be leaders in electronics. They might be leaders in sport. They might be leaders in other things in the community. But... Uh, That retreat um, is aimed to set them up for success and to do all we can as a movement to sow into the next generation. And so that was a great time. Anyway, the opening night, the first night there, um, Brad Bonholm, who's a preacher from Horizon Church, he's also ScoMo's pastor. That's where Scott Morrison goes to church. Um, Even before he was the Prime Minister, he was just Scott Morrison, you know. So he just happens to be there. And he got up and he spoke on, guess what topic? Weariness. That's what he spoke on. And the, and the refrain was picked, picked up throughout the, the time. And, um, and so when Trish wasn't able to preach, I said, no, 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 I'm all ready to go. I'm all ready. Don't worry. I want to continue on with this. So what, what is this weariness? You know, what is weariness of well-doing? What is it really? You know, it's not referencing tiredness of the body. That's actually not what this weariness is about. You know, because if we, um, you know, have a few early mornings or if you're the night owl and you burn the candle late at night, you know, all it takes is for a sleep in at one end of the day or maybe going to bed early if you're the early bird the next couple of nights and you can reboot the system, can't you? You know, get onto the juice, turn off the telly or something, you know, have an early night and you reboot your body if you're physically tired, provided you're not ill with other things. But this weariness that this, this verse in Galatians is talking about is a weariness of the soul, not of the body. It's a heart sickness. And perhaps physical and practical things have actually contributed to it, but that's actually what this is addressing. And, you know, elsewhere in Scripture, and we've, we've looked at a whole series on this before, we're urged to protect the health of our soul, to guard our hearts. And you think of... Um, 
uh, you know, or some of them will say, you know, set a watch over it or guard it. And you think of the sentry like marching, you know, in front of that access point, that entry point. And that's the image that we have. That's how vigilant we need to be um, to be guarding our hearts from weariness, from issues and things that would infiltrate it to actually um, really um, hijack where we're meant to be. And uh, we're not meant to ignore red flags that come up. We'll be looking at that throughout what I've got time left for the message this morning. Because even though we are energiser bunnies in the spirit, God has made a certain way that we need, we have certain needs. And one of those needs is to rest in him and spend time with the Father. And so we're, we, we have to get it out of our heads that being in faith means that we continually ignore signs that weariness is trying to attach itself to our soul. But anyway, we'll get up to that in a minute. And you might think, oh, well, you know, why do we need to worry about this? You know, big deal if you're weary, you know. I've, I've had a weary soul for 23 years, Renee. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm thinking today's a good day to change that. Um, you know, but we actually need to attend to it because firstly, Scripture says, do not grow weary or do not be weary. So we have to do that just out of obedience. But why would Scripture say that so clearly? Because weariness is a great robber. It saps us of energy that we need to do things. It can suffocate relationships. You know, if you've got weariness of the soul, maybe as a husband or wife or as a, a son or a daughter or mum or dad, whatever it is your, your relationship is with different people in your family, maybe you're just actually not being the best you that you can be for yourself or for them if that weariness is attached it can actually suffocate not just relationships but ministry. It's like, you know, you have no oxygen for the things that you need to do in the spirit. And you really know, here's a red flag, you really know if you have weariness of the soul, if you suddenly realise upon reflection, because often it takes that, you don't realise at the time, that there's a pattern of you not even enjoying the things that you used to enjoy. Like if you're going out fishing... Or if you're, um, you, you know, you're a worshipper and you love just putting on the music at home or getting the guitar out or, you know, whatever it is, that's, that's a real warning if you suddenly realise the things that used to bring me enjoyment are no longer doing so. And of course, weariness is powerful in our lives if we let it take over because it actually affects our passion. We're sort of knocked out and our motivation dwindles. And, you know, if you don't have that, um, motivation to do things, it's often hard to get out of whatever you're in because you actually couldn't care less and you have no energy to do it. But we think, how does it happen? Well, you know, it's an individual thing for every person, I suppose, how they may be tempted to succumb to weariness or it might attach itself to them. But you know what, there's a couple of things I'm going to talk about this morning. And the first thing I believe that causes weariness to onset in our lives if we continue is in chasing results, particularly where there's speed and striving involved and when we ignore limits. So I'm just going to take um, a few moments to talk about those in my time because I believe they're the number one contributors to the weariness of the soul or heart sickness that the Bible commands us to be careful against or guard against. Are you with me? Anyone taking notes? You can put down chasing results. 
So last week we actually did touch on the fact that a great cause of weariness of the soul is when we lose heart because we keep doing the right things. The things we know that are right, you know, they're not mistakenly right, they are the right things, but we can get fatigued because we don't see the result that we want from our perception quick enough. You know, we talked about hope deferred makes the heart sick and often it's that nothing's changed. You know, we might have been happy the day before, plodding along, knowing that God's got it all covered in his timing, but for some reason there's a trigger point where just from one minute to the next, we decide that we've had enough. We decide that we're sick of the delay. We want it when? Now, probably even yesterday, for those of us that are impatient. And, you know, it's, the truth is that burnout, people often think burnout is just people that have a heavy schedule and are doing too much. That's actually part of it. But burnout is more accurately when you actually have a busy schedule or you're doing a lot of stuff, but you're not seeing the success or the um, momentum that normally would fuel you to keep going. They go together. And so we talked about last week about how an easy remedy for this is to remember to celebrate the progress. Celebrate the small wins. You may not be completely there yet, that, you know, but we have that hashtag. And I think Lottie preached about it some years ago. Celebrate the progress. It might not look exactly like you think it should look or things may not be exactly where you want them to be or you believe they need to be. But celebrate the signs. Celebrate the fact even that you're remaining faithful. You know, whatever it is, celebrate the progress. You can celebrate the fact that maybe two years ago you would have got really discouraged and given up. But this year, God's grown you that you're able to keep walking that out, keep walking that out, even if it doesn't happen instantly in front of your eyes. And uh, so today, I want to just suggest that in line with that, there's other parts of our mind and our thinking that we actually need to re-educate, myself included. Because, you know, this generation, and especially the next generation to come, like Dan here, leader of his, of his generation, this one, um, you know what? They operate on the currency of speed. Everything is like, you know, the latest, you know, how, how fast can my search engine be? How fast can my internet be? How, how quickly can I go through drive-through? You, you know, whatever it is. And, and um, it's not even just an age thing. It's actually also a personality type that is more prone to be very um, attuned to things happening quickly. Who's ever said... A good game's a fast game. Okay? There's a few, you can sort of see the, <laughs> oh, the high energy, annoying people in the room, right? <laughs> that, yeah. You know, but hello, God himself does not necessarily trade on this currency. And just because we live on this amazing time in the earth and in the country that we do, where we're so used to seeing great things happen quickly doesn't actually mean that that translates to every area of our life because God has his own time. Remember, we talked about this last week. He has his proper time and his proper time is often in our minds, or maybe my mind, very, very, very slow. <laughs> ah, you know. But there's reasons for that which we go into because like sometimes people seek something, but, you know, their character, 
is not ready for that thing. Maybe the infrastructure or whatever of that business or that ministry is not ready for the thing you're actually praying for. And there's all sorts of reasons and that's really for you and God to work out in your prayer time about things in your life if you're struggling about the pace of change or the pace of God doing things. And you know, walking by faith in God's promises is no magic spell to force his hand. You know, trusting his words doesn't mean it bends his arm like it could because, you know, it says, you know, keep praying, keep praying. But ultimately, um, God wants us to conform to his timing, not the other way around. Um, And you know what? (laughs) He wants to prepare us to adjust to his timing. It's all part of the process. And so, so often, weariness can actually stem from us Um, insisting on or superimposing our idea of proper timing onto the will of God. But if we actually re-educate our minds and think, okay, that's why it says, not my will but your will, Lord, (laughs) Um, we can actually save ourselves a lot of discouragement because it's us that puts the pressure on ourselves or situations because we think, because we read some book, or read some magazine article or talked to someone, that things should be happening right now this particular way. But the good news is that may not be the case. God has a proper time for all of the things, the promises, the plans and the answers. Does that mean that we should stop asking? No. Does that mean we should stop trusting? There's examples in the Bible where God actually did fast track something or change his mind. But it's the attitude that that we do it with that ultimately, Lord, we trust that you're going to work it out your way um, even if it doesn't match up with me. Because you know what? We might pride ourselves, the perfectionists or the people that are great with timing, whether it's with music. Remember we talked about this last week or gardening, knowing the right time or, or dance or whatever it is. We might pride ourselves that we've got a, you know, we've got a monopoly on what good timing is. But, you know, our God in heaven actually has impeccable timing. He really does. He's never late. He's never early, they say. Um, the saying, but, you know, that phrase, proper time, the reason I've picked it as my one verse wonder, not because it's a hit that fizzles out, it's actually one that you find elsewhere, that phrase in the New Testament. It's so important. In 1 Peter 5, 6, do you remember that one where it says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. It pops up again and again in the really key parts of our discipleship, I think. And so we can just encourage ourselves. If we are genuinely doing good on God's terms, serving others, not just serving ourselves, um, we don't actually need to be discouraged by what results look like or opposition because we can take to the prom- this promise at heart that in the due season, at the proper time, it will happen. We just keep sowing faithfully, knowing that God sees, God knows, and that our labour is not in, va- in vain. And so we have a saying, we used to have it around the office and anyone that hangs around me has heard me say this. You've got to get the hurry and the scurry and the worry out of our step. And that's just not whether you're a quick mover. I'm talking about the attitude that goes with it. Because as soon as I realise in myself or in a ministry or someone, you know, I'm working with, that there's hurry, scurry and worry involved, I actually know that it's a red flag that we've stepped into striving rather than serving. And so we just need to get the hurry out of our spirit. 
you know, God knows he's got it. And uh, we can just self-correcting this when we find ourselves doing it. Take a deep breath, sing a worship song, sit down and have that cup of tea after all. Just pull back, you know, why am I getting myself or my knickers in a knot, as I used to say at Murray High School, maybe not at your school, why am I doing that? Why am I doing that? Um, because really, is it going to make a difference whether I run around bashing to things, <laughs> get anxious about it? Is it really going to change the outcome? It may change it in a negative way. So we can self-correct, trusting that we actually only need to chase after God. We don't really even need to chase after our calling. Because you know what? Our calling will chase us down if we are chasing after God. And I just love the end of Psalm 23, which I'll probably be talking about in um, in a couple of weeks as well, which is that, you know, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And there's an image of it, it chasing us, it following us. You know, you think of um, um, in your revision mirror, you know, there's that car, it's going to overtake you. You don't have to worry about it. You just keep cruising along and that blessing, that calling, that goodness of God, his mercy is actually going to chase us down. You see, just moving along quickly, there's a big difference between fruit in our lives and activity. Did you know that you can be fruitful even if in some people's minds you're not successful? And you can actually be successful but not fruitful. In John 15 it says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And it's a great, um, it's refreshing to read that scripture. In fact, you can read before and after. It's fantastic there in John 15. Because it really helps set us straight about what's important to God. And maybe sometimes we need to shift what's important to us to match that. He says, hang with me, abide with me, other versions. Even old hymns and things were actually based on that, that passage. Abiding me, resting me, remaining me. And you will bear much fruit. But activity and running around, hurry, scurry, worrying, striving, chasing results, achieving may actually get some measure of success for something, but it may actually not be fruit that in the ultimate scheme of things will last for eternity. So whatever we're doing, we're um, focusing on the fruit that's linked to him rather than activity that's disconnected for him from him and uh, we know that we're going to be on the right track. I'm going to have to do this super quick. I think I can do it. So, <laughs> quickly, striving and speed, as I've been referring to, are both those things attached to chasing results that will very quickly catch up with us. They will overtake us, but not in the sense of blessing. They will actually wear us down rather than chase us down and bless us. And I heard somewhere the other day that um, the Greek word for ambition, ambitio, whatever the, I can't actually read the original that um, was pronounced it, um, they actually used it in ancient Greece times when Greek times when there was a local politician or um, leader of the polis or whatever they called it back in in their day our current example would be a politician you know like going for council a place for the local council or whatever um, the word ambition was, was was when he would go around the town and promote himself 
pick me, vote for me, I'll do this. That's actually where that word comes from. And, you know, I think when it comes to our career, our kingdom, the things we want for our families, we have to be careful that we root out ambition because that's when it leads to striving. Yes, let's seek excellence, let's seek blessing. But ultimately, if you think about that, it's the enemy of abiding in him. Ambition versus abiding. And so that's what we just need. There's just a little check that we can have in our lives, um, in our devotional time, and as we're uh, thinking about how we go about things. You know, we want um, to seek him. We want to be intimate with him. We don't just want to get stuff from him and achieve stuff. And so I just encourage us all here this morning that our assignment in God is all safe and secure. God has grace for us for whatever he's called us to. We don't have to have FOMO, fear of missing out on anything in God. We just have to remind ourselves that um, if it's meant to happen, if he's called us to it, we're going to be alert, we're going to be sharp, but he's going to grace us for it at the right time. And we need to learn the unforced rhythms of grace, which I just quickly want to read from this Bible. Uh, This is the message paraphrase. Are you tired, worn out, burned on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. (coughs) Excuse me. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And that's Matthew eleven twenty six to 30, which is actually one of my favourite passages of scripture in any version. But that version's fantastic. Work with him. Walk with him. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Last but not least, the biggest um, other factor I feel that can actually lead to weariness of the soul is when we ignore limits. You know, longevity is so important. It's not just how you start playing a game. It's the fact that you actually finish it as well, unless you've been subbed off for some reason. But you know what I mean? Like we actually, you know, you've got to obey the coach. But we actually um, need to have our, our, our eye and our mind on the long game. A wearied soul won't be able to sustain the call of God on its life and it won't be able to love others as well as it could to. And that's where, that's why it says, do not be weary of well-doing. Because suddenly, the things that we did well, naturally, with an unforced rhythm of grace, suddenly seem to be a chore and too hard when we actually have weariness setting in. And, you know, at this retreat, it was really great. They really hammered the young people and the senior pastors, funny that, um, that, that adrenaline is not a sustaining source in your life. You know, you often hear people say, oh, yeah, I'm sort of running on adrenaline, you know. Um, definitely it's good for the short term. Like God has designed our bodies to have short bursts of adrenaline in our, in our, in our chemical makeup if we have to have a fight or flight reaction. But it's not designed to be triggered again, push through, again, push through, again and again. And um, I took... Um, Angus and Matt Druce from our community and uh, they even shared that that was really good teaching as well. But I didn't realise this. Uh, one of the instructors said that when you stop and you get sick, does that ever happen to anyone? 
you get really, really, really busy, you go, go, go. The next thing you know, you actually have that day off or that week off or whatever and that's when you get sick. That's actually a sign that you're heading towards adrenal fatigue. And you'd have to research it yourself. I don't have the whole physiology. It's not, it's not the time here this morning to share that. But I just thought that was an indicator. I thought that was interesting. And so the strategy was not to again and again um, rely on adrenaline, but to more regularly schedule rests after you've been running on it, like not waiting until it's just accrued, accrued, accrued crash but more regularly to actually schedule um, breaks so that was interesting Um, and you know Jesus himself he had a limit of how long he could be in activity or ministry and he had a limit of how long that he could be with people and he accepted those limits he didn't have a problem with it he didn't apologize for it he didn't have to write I don't know a treatise justifying the fact that he had to have alone time with God and alone time with Jesus himself. He just did it. He accepted that that is how he was made and that's who he was. So he was a great example and he often um, took time out to reflect and recharge, often with his disciples as well and made sure it happened for them. So in Mark 6, 30 to 32, um, if you guys want to come up getting ready, then that'll hustle me a bit. Um, In chapter 6, verse 30 to 32, um, yeah, that's it. Um, The apostles gathered around around Jesus and slightly different version. I've got the NLT or maybe it's a different one and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. How good is that? He got around his key crew, like they had their debrief, they talked about stuff, but then he exampled getting away from the crowd. And, you know, there's heaps of other parts in the Bible that you can look at. Remember the Good Shepherd. What does he do? He makes us lie down in green pastures. And um, we were urged at retreat that we should voluntarily do this and not wait till we're made to lie down, that we should actually take rests, um, have some pit stops along the way, because it's so important. And remember Mary and Martha, who chose the better way? That's what it actually says. Who was it, Mary or Martha? Who can remember? Mary. Martha was still busy. I mean, someone did have to cook dinner and wash up. And she was complaining that Mary was sitting down at the feet of Jesus while she was doing the work. But Jesus actually said that Mary had chosen the better thing. So this coming week, let's remember to choose the better thing. Don't just get caught up in relentless activity. Choose the better thing which is sitting at his feet. Because after all, our identity is not wrapped up in all of our doing at all. It's wrapped up in who we are in Christ. And uh, one final thing I'll share with you is this is that we actually learnt that um, our, our emotional and spiritual health are not separate. Sometimes people compartmentalise their life. You know, they say, spiritually I'm strong, but emotionally I'm weak or, you know, I'm physically tired. And, you know, while in the short term there's, there's times where that's like that, but really... We were challenged that it's it's a matter of spiritual maturity that it is well with our souls. And that, 
you know, our EQ or our emotional intelligence, the health of our soul are actually spiritual matters as well and a sign of whether we're mature in handling the things He's given us. So stand with me now, guys, as I read you the final scripture, which is from uh, the third letter of John, chapter 1, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. So take that moment just as we close. I'm hoping we can do the first song again, if that's what we're doing. And to reflect, but throughout the week, grab your journal out or maybe phone a friend who knows you to give you an honest opinion. But ask yourself, is it all well with my soul? Are there any red flags that are creating weariness? Or am I already weary of well-doing? Is there too much speed? Is there too much striving? Is there ignoring of limits that God has put in me? If it is, get someone to pray for pray with you, contact me if you like, have a think and uh, just know that it's in your hands to be in charge of how you run your life. You can do it. You can put some small things in place that will have a huge knock-on effect and just know that your leader too is here for longevity and she has put some things in place as well to make sure that I've restructured how I do things so that I'm not in the same trap of weariness following me. So I hope you got something out of that. I think I condensed it. There was a lot I could have shared. And uh, let's finish with this amazing song. I love it. Thanks, team.